All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome into Season 4, Episode 13 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdak, and I am joined by always, or always, like always, by my good buddy, the coolest guy I know, the best brewer in town, Mr. Thomas Bowen. Bowen, how you doing today? Man, I am doing wonderful, sitting outside, recording a little earlier today before the holiday, enjoying the weather. It is a lovely day, and I'm looking forward to a nice, hateful Saturday against the Clemson Tigers. And Thomas, you hit the nail on the head. It is Palmetto Bowl week here in South Carolina, a.k.a. Clemson Hate Week, which also means, Thomas, that it's Thanksgiving week. So for a lot of our listeners, that means they got family coming over or they're going to go over to somebody else's house. And Thomas, somebody's got to bring the ice to that party to make sure all those family bevs stay cold. Do you have an idea of anywhere they could get a good deal on ice this Thanksgiving? Buddy, buddy, do I. And you're right. You got family coming over. Everybody's going to be bringing beverages. Hopefully your Thanksgiving is not dry. That certainly makes things uh, a little dicier. But in case you do have the in-laws coming over and the friends and family, you're going to you're going to need some ice. You're going to want to get some ice to keep those beverages cold. And folks, I've told you before, I'm telling you again, do not buy your ice from a convenience store. They charge almost three dollars plus tax for a seven pound bag. The bags keep getting smaller and smaller. It's a solid block of ice. It's just really a bad situation. I don't know why anybody's paying that when you can go to our good friends at Twice the Ice and get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds dumped directly in your cooler for only $2.50. They've got machines conveniently located around the Columbia area, including Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia, downtown, even out at Mr. Bunky's in Eastover. And we have a special offer for you, our listeners. You can get one bag absolutely free. When you're standing at one of the machines, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number with a bag slide out. Super easy, super convenient. You can find participating locations at tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice. Get out there, get your ice, and get ready for some good Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let's talk about that a minute, Andrew. With you on that, man. So as we, uh, most shows of any kind are going to do this week, Thomas, it's the all-important question. What is the best dish of Thanksgiving? Man, that is a uh, it's a tough question, and a lot of people get really heated over this. I will say that I'm a little partial to fried turkey. We are, I know uh, that can be a little polarizing. We always fry a turkey, and uh, but man, I think you can't discount the good old classic mac and cheese. I love me some mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. I can't disagree with either one of those things. Here's my thought process. Now, turkey, obviously, yes, associated. I've had it fried. I've had it baked. I've had it smoked. I enjoy I love it fried. Love a good smoked turkey. My dad does a great job smoking a turkey with that for, for ours, and it's going to be delicious. So I love a good smoked turkey. Fried's probably very, uh, you know, neck and neck, even tied. Now, here's what I'll say about mac and cheese, Thomas, and I love mac and cheese. A good mac and cheese is, is just nearly impossible to beat. However, mac and cheese can be, you can have that at Thanksgiving, you can have that at Christmas, heck, you can have that at Easter, you can have that on a Saturday, it doesn't matter, it's always around, it's always delicious, it's always a great idea. So for that very reason, when I'm talking about simply Thanksgiving side dishes, 
I got to go with stuffing. I love a good, I love some sausage stuffing. Uh, my grandmother, it's just the Pepperidge Farm, uh, you know, recipe on the bag. But what I grew up eating, to me, it screams Thanksgiving. If that's polarizing, this one probably will be too. I, I, I love a good sweet potato casserole with the little marshmallows, like toasted on top. That, that's, that's pretty, pretty good too in my book. So, so, uh, so based on that, based on what you said, and this could be a whole episode in and of itself. So you call it stuffing, not dressing. Is that right? I do. Uh, you know, as we've discussed before, the last name draws de- definitely not from, uh, from around here. You know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I am, uh, from South Carolina by way of Connecticut and Pittsburgh. And before that, the Ukraine and, and Poland and my, my dad's side of the family. So yeah, I've always called it stuffing, not dressing. Um, but now my mom's side of the family is extremely Southern, you know, born, you know, family roots all the way back to the French Huguenots uh, before this was even the United States of America. But I do, my aunts on my mom's side will call it dressing because one of my uncles makes it oyster dressing. Um, like he puts oysters in it and and it's, so I, but to me, I think those are two separate things. I think those are two yeah. separate dishes. If you sit down what I consider to be dressing in a casserole dish beside what I consider to be stuffing in a casserole dish, they look different. They taste different. They have a different texture. So, like, I, I I like stuffing the the cubed, you know, pieces of bread looking deal there with some good sausage in there, some cu- uh, some not cucumber, some celery and some onion. Like that to me is stuffing. Dressing's a little bit more of the crumbly on the crumbly side, in my opinion. Hey, I'm weird, man. But all right. Another hot topic before we talk football, still still Thanksgiving related. What's your best pie at Thanksgiving? Uh man, see, this is tough for me because I'll be honest, I'm I'm not a big pie guy. And I think even growing up, I was never a big sweets guy. I think I would rather have another helping of of the mains there, which is probably why I was a husky little kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but you know, I, I don't like I don't really care for sweet potato pie. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I damn sure don't want any pumpkin pie. I hate all things pumpkin. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm probably uh, I don't know, man. I'm a bad person to ask for that. I'm not a big pie guy, but I got a feeling that you're on the sweet potato pie train. I'm actually not, man. Um, did, I do enjoy a sweet potato pie, but to me, Thanksgiving is is pumpkin pie. Now, a close uh, a close favorite. My my most recent, like you know, again, I, I don't eat a whole lot of pies. That's not something I crave. I'm like you. If you give me the option between savory and sweet, I'm going to pick savory every time. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to eat some trail mix before I'm going to eat cookies. You know, yeah. like, that's just who I am. But pumpkin pie is a traditional Thanksgiving. Apple pie with that scoop of ice cream can't go wrong. You know, that's good old, you know, deal there. But there again, um, you can eat that almost any time and it's delicious. But all right, like you said, that could be a whole show. Wait, I do have to ask you this. And this is literally me being, I should have Googled this, and now we're just going to do it on the air and I'll get ripped for it. What's the difference between yams and sweet potatoes? Is there? Ooh. No, I don't. I don't. I do not think there is. That is a great okay. question. I think they're okay. exactly the same. I think maybe, maybe it has more to do with the preparation because when you think yams, most people are saying candied yams. Right. 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 Yeah. So, but essentially, we're talking about the same vegetable, correct? The, the same tuber. The same. Okay. Tuber. Got it. All right. Just had to. I've always that's always messed with me. All right. Anyway. Let's talk UK and South Carolina playing each other uh, this past weekend. Folks, if you're new to the show, we don't always talk this much about Thanksgiving, but it is Thanksgiving week. Um, we are the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. Thomas and I have played the game, coached the game, loved the game. We obsess about the game. This is the Jimmy's and Joe show. 
for the oh i said that backwards this is the x's and o's show for the jimmies and the joes thomas so what happens you when you get on a roll but we like to think we know a little bit more than the average fan we like to talk about the game and try to break it down the nuances if you will the scheme the the kind of the the big parts of it to a way no matter who you are you can enjoy talking about it so with that being said thomas and i are both huge gamecock fans so we will focus our energy on the gamecocks today and most every show thomas South Carolina played the Kentucky Wildcats at home last Saturday at 7.30. Gamecocks found a way to get it done, and for the first time all season, Thomas, I think you would agree with me, the defense carried us to victory here. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Came through in a in a big way. Uh, we'll dig into uh, some of the big game-changing plays there. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was three turnovers. Uh, yeah. You You can't ask for much more. Absolutely. And as the offense, the first quarter for the offense looked smooth, man. They were they were on a roll. And then all of a sudden, number zero from Kentucky decided to start playing and we couldn't stop him. Now, let's talk about even though the offense was stalled out, there was a game winning drive led by Spencer Radler. Thomas, I just he is not getting the credit he deserves nationally, in, in my opinion. I'm sure that has a lot to do with our record, but he He's really playing great football. He continues to show poise in the pocket against pressure, accuracy in key moments, toughness to step up in a compromised pocket that is collapsing, knowing he's going to take a hit and deliver the football, and then the leadership to to keep keep the team rallied together, rally the troops, if you will, and lead a game-winning drive with only two minutes left in the fourth quarter. As an NFL GM, scout, head football coach, I can't think of a guy in college football. I'm not talking about necessarily talent. And Spencer has plenty of that. But being able to show he can handle pressure, he can deal with some some situations where there's a lot of injuries and adversity. And quite honestly, he's not going out there with a full deck and he's still competing his butt off. He was jawing at number 31 for Kentucky from the second we took the field. He was fired up and ready. Thomas, speak on it about Spencer Rattler for just a second. What are your thoughts on him? Do you agree with me? He's not getting the recognition he deserves. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree with that because when you take into account the fact that <clears throat> South Carolina has, for the most part, has had one receiver this year. So he's got one guy to throw to, essentially. Haven't really had a run game until pretty much the back half of the season. The offensive line has been a revolving door. It hasn't been until, I think, this this could be week four, I think, in a row of this of the same uh, starting five on the offensive line. So when you take into account all of those things and the fact that he's still doing what he's doing, and I think I saw the other day he has now cracked the top five all-time passing yards mm-hmm. at South Carolina, which is even more impressive when you consider all of the other guys in the top five had three, four years. Mm-hmm. He's doing this, uh, hasn't even finished two years here at South Carolina. So, yeah, all of those things to say he you can't ask for much more from him. I heard from a Gamecock fan the other day, I'm not going to call this guy out, but uh, he is obviously, I think, a slightly below average football fan because he is a diehard, a diehard Gamecock, but has has said, you know, he's kind of down on Rattler. He said he said he doesn't really see the field well when he scrambles. That was the first red flag for me. I think he sees the field yeah, that's, amazingly that's, well. Uh, that's I mean, incorrect. Very incorrect. Yeah. And and how he's, uh, you know, this guy said, I, I don't think he's going to do much in the pros. I think he's going to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback. Yeah. So. 
all that to say, like, that's kind of a microcosm of, I think, the national media is not really paying attention to all of the adversity he's dealing with and what he's done here, which is probably the most impressive part. I totally agree with you. At worst, Spencer Radler, like you said, is probably the fifth quarterback taken in this draft, in my opinion. And Thomas, we've already accepted an invitation to the senior bowl. That's key for guys that are. And I heard something today. I read something today. Did you know, and, and I haven't confirmed this, but I saw it on the message board, that players can now play in all-star games and still come back? So, like, technically, Spencer has another year of eligibility. I'm not saying he's coming back. We'll talk about that in a second. He'd be a fool to come back, in my opinion. But technically could go play in the Senior Bowl, and I think even go to the Combine and go, okay, what I'm hearing isn't what I want to hear. I, I'm going to go back to school. And, you know, that is supposedly true. And I, I, again, I didn't check that with, that's your slightly below average internet research. But if that's true, that's a game changer for some of these guys because now you can go and say, hey, am I good enough? What are they going to show these pro scouts what I got and, you know, have them be honest with you and go, no, I'm going to go back to school and see if I can get my draft status up. Not saying Spencer should do that. You know, that's that's an interesting thing if that's true. But I say all that to say, I think a strong week of senior bowl practice, which is the big part of the senior bowl, is the practice week and what you can show. An NFL combine, assuming he's invited, which I think he's going to be invited, and a good pro day, we may pass some guys that are going to, who could be that late rival that always happens in the NFL draft? You got a guy, I mean, think about Anthony, Anthony Richardson from um, Florida last year. He was not highly thought of. At, at some points during the season, and then he started doing pro days, and he started doing you know combine work and senior bowl work, and all of a sudden he shot like a rocket. I think Spencer could have some of that because Spencer has enough arm talent. He has got a quick release, but now it's all the other things he's showing. Again, when I say toughness, I'm not talking about you know oh I hurt my ankle, I'm going to keep playing. That's great to have that ability as a quarterback. There are many times, particularly in the NFL. You see a blitz coming down on you, and for your team's sake, you're going to step in and throw that ball, and you're going to get creamed. You're going to get absolutely annihilated. Even in today's NFL, where they do everything to protect the quarterback, you don't take a hit. That takes a certain level of toughness, and he's shown that over and over again. He's also shown he's a good team player. I can't think of one time, one time this season, in the season that has been very frustrating, have I seen him on camera snapping on a teammate or throwing his helmet. You know, it's been a tough season, and he's shown composure. Another great Gamecock offensive player who I think is already a first-round draft pick, in my opinion. I'm not saying top 10 or anything like that. He's able to get Thomas, I believe, is a first-round pick, probably late first round. He's got great size. He has got a real good 40 time and has shown some really good jumping ability and hands. Another player going to the senior bowl that could really continue to improve his stock. Thomas, what are your thoughts on Xavier Regret? I, I can be honest with you. When you came into South Carolina, I didn't expect this from him. No. And you look at his career at South Carolina, he's really he's really done nothing until this year. I think he made a conscious effort to uh, and good for him, knowing this is his last year. This is his money making year. And he has taken every opportunity to capitalize on that. Uh, he's kind of revamped his body. He's got blazing speed earlier in the year. He had that touchdown where he hit like twenty two and a half miles an hour, which is just quite frankly insane. Uh, and uh, size 
hands, uh, body position, route running. He's got it all. I agree with you. He is, I think he's, uh, he could play himself into a late first round at a minimum. I think he's an early second round type of guy, but there are, there are NFL programs or our NFL franchises rather that will find a place for a guy like him on their roster. And I think he's also another one of those guys that pro day, assuming he works out for pro day and, or the combine is a big pro day, a big combine guy. I think he's really going to wow some people whenever he works out for teams. I totally agree with you. And like you said, coming into this season, I wouldn't have even said that's a guy who's going to get drafted. Like, you know, like now he's in the first round and good for him. I I love it for him. He's a great example of somebody who comes in unheralded and really, like you said, it kind of floundered around a little bit. I don't know what, you know, injuries or whatnot or not being focused. Hadn't really had a great career until this season. He came on late last year. I don't know if you remember, we had a a kickoff return uh, early, had a big catch. Started kind of becoming a, a, a second. That's what we were all excited about. We had Juice Wells, and we were like, hey, Xavier Leggett kind of showed something last year. If he can keep doing that, we're going to have a really good offense. And then when Juice has been hurt all season, everybody was like, oh, man. But Leggett has stepped up in those situations. And even Spencer has found him with the ball, but he's been getting open double teams, triple teams. Again, something NFL teams want to see. Another player, uh, you know, I, I, he has another year of eligibility, does not need to even think about going pro, but has had a really great year, in my opinion, when he has had any sort of space. Mario Anderson continues to be a hard-nosed runner with great first when he has room, which unfortunately has not happened a whole lot, which brings us to the offensive line. Once again, I'm going to say it over and over again like a broken record. We're still not getting consistent push on and run, still not getting consistent uh, protection in the pass game. Number zero for Kentucky, Coach Beamer said it um, as he was going to halftime, and then again after the game, we couldn't block him. They moved him everywhere. He was wreaking havoc. Good for him. He's probably a good pro himself. Got to get rid of these procedural penalties, Thomas. We had, I think, two or three false starts. Can't have it. Can't have it. When there's when the margins are this thin because of depth issues of injuries, you can't have this. Thomas, talk to us a little bit more in depth about what the South Carolina defense did to lead us to victory because they did lead us to victory on Saturday. Yeah, uh, just a hell of a fight by this team. Uh, and you have been talking about it earlier this season uh, and, and really had kind of harped on it the last couple of weeks, how this defense needed to get back to uh, the the thievery that that once was and, and getting some takeaways here. And I just saw this stat earlier in the last two games against Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Vanderbilt, say what you want, but Kentucky's a legitimate uh, offense here. This defense in the last two games has allowed 20 points combined and has had five takeaways. That is strong. That is really what you want to be rounding into uh, in at this point in the year in November. Looking last week uh, against Kentucky, who, again, is is a a, a damn solid team Two uh, two fumbles, a pick. Uh, that pick by Emanwari was uh, a fantastic play. He got inside on the receiver, just got really good position on there. Then when you look at total yards, we held Kentucky to under 300 yards. Rushing was 122. Like, I mean, that's that that's the kind of defense you want. I think since they have gone to more of these odd fronts, plus the fact that Nick E has gotten more comfortable in that slot role. The safeties have gotten more comfortable. I didn't even realize last week that uh, I think it was 
O'Donnell was suspended for some team rules or something last I weekend. Didn't, I, I didn't it, know that until just now. Yeah, him or yeah, either him or Dial. I can't remember, but any that that's why you start to see more Emory Floyd out there, more Judge Collier okay. out there. Okay. Yeah, love yeah. seeing those young guys get in. Uh, finally, man, I've been I've been dogging on this guy for weeks, but welcome back, Jordan Strawn. Yes. He was, I think, SEC defensive player or either a defensive lineman of the week. Yeah. Right. Uh, he forced a fumble. Had some really good uh, pass breakups, some tips in there. Uh, like to see him coming on strong. All of that to say that this defense is is really starting to come together when you need it to the most because they are going to have a hell of a task this weekend. I do agree with you. And Jordan, you know, uh, Andrew Fisher, good friend of the program, good friend of mine, good former teammate, he texted me during the game because he had two sacks along with all those other things you mentioned. He said, you and Thomas Mayo, Jordan, an apology. I said, hey, listen, we may. He hasn't shown up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I will eat that crow all day. <laughs> He can if he can play like that for one more regular season game and a bowl game, we may be we may be in good shape. All right, Thomas, we talk about that all to say the Gamecocks are three and zero in November. They know we know they have to go four and zero to win a bowl game to make it a November to remember. And we got to see if they can do it. It's the week is here. It is Clemson hate week. The boys from the upstate are coming down to Willie B. They're playing a night game. It's it's for a chance for South Carolina. To be bowl eligible, it's it's a big, you know, situation. I hate to ever quote Dabo, but he he had it during his presser yesterday. Made a great point. He said it doesn't matter if you're eleven and zero or zero and eleven. You always want to beat your rival, and that's what this week is for both of us. Neither one of our seasons have gone exactly like we wanted them to. But if you can beat Clemson, if you're us, if Clemson can beat us, that's going to bring a sting out of that. Obviously, for South Carolina, it's an opportunity to get bowl eligible as well and all the positives that come with that. On offense, Thomas, I'm going to say it once again. OL, find a way to get a push in the run game. Find a way to be consistent in pass protection for Spencer Radler. Uh, Coach Loggins has done a fantastic job, particularly over the last two or three weeks, moving the pocket, making the defense adjust their rush. It's not just a true drop-back passing situation. We couldn't block that early on. He made an adjustment, shows great coaching there. Is this is this the uh is this the best uh front four that the offensive line has faced this year? Are they better than AM's front four? Because but until this game, I would say AM was probably the best front four. Yeah, I uh, mean other, other than maybe Georgia. They're on par with them. They're on par with them. If you know, they're if you put Georgia and A and M and Clemson, I mean that that those front four, you know, I might go. I mean, yeah, there it's going to be. If it's not the best, it's one of two or three. I mean, this is yeah. a huge challenge. I and, mean, I hate to, I hate to give I hate to give Clemson any credit, but and and granted, this is a little bit of a down year for them. But ever since they started reaching their dominance, one of the things that has made them so good is I think. They, uh, yeah, they're playing in the ACC with an SEC quality defensive line, which uh, I've told you, and I think you agree with me. People say defenses win championships. I think defensive lines win championships. I agree with you 100%. I think both sides of the ball, it starts on the front, it starts on yeah. the line of scrimmage. But you're right. Look at even South Carolina during the, the three straight 11 win seasons. Think about the defensive linemen we had Jadavion oh, yeah. Clowney, Melvin Ingram, um, Travion Taylor. Devin Taylor. I mean, those were studs. So yeah, it 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 helps. I mean, it, it's key. Um, and you're right. I I am worried about that. I am worried about that. But I'll say it again. If 
our offensive line can give Mario Anderson any space. Just don't let him get hit as soon as he gets the ball from Spencer Radler. He will get three or four yards. You don't yeah. have to, even if you can't work to the second level. That's what I'd be telling my team right now. I'm being dead serious about this. In a zone running scheme, a lot of times you and your buddy are working. And by buddy, I mean it might be a guard and a tackle or the guard in the center. You're working a double team, meaning you're blocking one player and one of you is trying to peel off to go get a linebacker. If I'm if I'm the offensive line coach, I'm saying secure the defensive lineman. Do, don't move on too soon. I want to make sure you get movement on that defensive lineman because I'm going to tell you, Mario can make some things happen at the linebacker level. He's got enough cut, and he's definitely got enough uh, head of steam that he'll 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 lay his shoulder into you and get three yards. If we could average three yards a carry, three and a half yards a carry on offense in this football game, I think we win the game. If you can yeah. three and a half, three to three and a half yards on offense in the run game, you win this football game. Barring some other thing crazy like five interceptions or turnovers, if you if you that's a key moment. You got to be able to run this football, and it's when we've won. It's you know other than Kentucky here, it really has been an impact. Clemson's defense, Thomas, like you you mentioned, has been a p- big part of this uh, dominance of late. They are under second year defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin. Goodwin had worked under Brent Venables before. And they are mainly a four-man front. Like you mentioned, they're going to play mostly even. I did see against North Carolina, their one tech would play games with the center where he would line up in an odd for a second, and then he'd shift at the last second. That seems like something small, but that can screw up everything as a blocking group because he's got that center's got to come out and identify certain things depending on how you call it. And him jumping at the last second to one side or the other makes all the numbers different, and that can really screw with you. So that's something to watch for here. Uh, again, they are mainly four men. They're going to play three linebackers, two linebackers, depending on the uh, depending on the situation that they're facing. Thomas, they love to blitz those linebackers in a gap. They'll bring a double a gap blitz and and really f up your your interior of your offensive line in a heartbeat. They also like to do that dog stunt cross where they will bring a double fire a gap fire, but they will switch them. So they will cross over. So now you're really, you're going to look like the Keystone cops out there bumping into each other if you don't communicate it well. So that's all very concerning with our offensive line being what it is. Clemson's currently ranked fourth in the ACC in stopping the run, giving up an average of 122 yards per game. Thomas, in comparison, Kentucky's defense was second in the SEC, only giving up 102. So that seemed, you know, if you had to look at this defense and go, what, what do you want to attack? It's the run. It's you want to try and run it on them, but unfortunately, that's one of the things South Carolina is the worst at. The other side of the ball, or not the ball, but the other side of that situation, that coin is the pass game. Well, their pass defense is their strength. They're second in the ACC in pass yards allowed at only 166 per game. They're second in the league in total interceptions. They've got 28 sacks. The passing game has been what has led South Carolina's offense to any sort of success they've had this season. That does not spell a huge recipe for success. You're going to have to get creative, uh, and I'll talk more about that in a second. A player to watch for on Clemson's defense, number 54, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., son of former Philadelphia Eagle linebacker and four-time pro bowler Jeremiah Trotter Sr., leads this team, Thomas, in both total total tackles and sacks. He's He's legit. 
He's somebody on the uh, as an offensive lineman, the center, whoever it is, who calls this out. They got to know where he is immediately. You've yeah. got to find fifty four and adjust your blocking based on where fifty four is. He's and a he's a he's a first round talent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He he could wreak havoc. I, I've loved, like I said, I love the creativity I've seen in offense on the past couple of weeks. We even Thomas, we even finally, I've been calling for it. We finally saw Lenoris. Sellers get out there. Now here's my problem. Thomas, have I ever mentioned to you how much I hate the Wildcat? I, I, I yeah. Think it, yes. I think it's played out at this point. Earlier this year, when we were on the road against a very good defensive front in Texas A&M on a key fourth down in the red zone, we ran speed option with Spencer Radler and Mario Anderson to get like a six-yard gain on, on third, fourth and five, I think it was. Thomas, the speed option, I know you hate option football, but the speed option is not the old school Nebraska. So in the speed option, folks, what's going to happen? Let's say the quarterback's at the shotgun, the running back's offset to their right, and he runs a speed option to the right. The right side offensive tackle is not going to block the defensive end. He is going to leave him unblocked, and the quarterback is trained to run directly at that guy. Make him make a choice. Is he going to tackle the quarterback or is he going to play the running back? Now, in defensive side of the ball, it's always been, it's usually the easiest to say that the defensive end is responsible for the quarterback and the linebacker behind him is responsible for the running back. But guys try to make plays and they get out of, out of position, Thomas, and it can end up being a situation where you can cause havoc because you've got guys all messed up. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it, it's a bad idea. And to be fair, you know, yeah, my – my hatred, so to speak, for uh, option football is really that old school triple option. The speed option, I don't view it that way. It's almost like an extension or like a like an extended tall sweep and to really hit the edges and let Mario Anderson get out there and cook. So, no, I don't think that's a terrible idea at all. And I like getting those guys into space as well. And you can also play off of that where the, instead when he's coming at the defensive end, if they start charging up hard and so does the safety and whatnot, then he takes a step backwards. He sticks his left foot in the ground if we're running the right op side option and takes a drop back. He drops three steps and tries to throw it over the top of the defense. It's just the thing about the Wildcat, it doesn't confuse anybody anymore. Everybody's seen it. And it and it's becomes a very slow developing play, in my opinion. The quarterback and the running back both almost end up flat-footed. And I mean, Norris got some yards when he was in against Kentucky, but I just attack the edge, attack the edge, attack the edge, make them play the alley. And it, you know, it's not nobody nowadays is just going to play option football anymore. The Nebraska's of the world, or other than your service industries, you're just not going to see it. Service academies, excuse me. And I get it. No one wants to play in it, but it's, it can be a change of pace. It can be a, make them think about it in deep. When you're uh, designing a football practice nowadays, they do it in periods. You have an inside period, an outside period, a pass scale period, blitz pickup period, all these things make them have to have an option period. So, and if they have it, then that's even better. They haven't even practiced for it. It just can be very deadly. So, Thomas, speaking of defenses needing to prepare for things, what does South Carolina's defense need to do to stop this Clemson offense? Yeah, it's, um, you know, this this Clemson offense has been a little up and down. Cade Klubnick, uh, much 
much ballyhooed uh, his second year guy. He's had some some ups and downs. Here's the thing about Klubnik is he gets, and I think we've talked about this earlier in in the season as well. He, he almost gets too up for big games. He gets too fired up, and he's out there running around. He's screaming, and he kind of gets gets inside his own head a little bit. So. Klubnik is is susceptible to turning the ball over, and I think the Gamecock defense needs to turn the heat up on them. Look, the thing is, is you can't you can't escape the fact that Clemson has been pretty much pretty bad on the road this year. Their only road win was at Syracuse. They played well at home against Florida State, then lost on the road consecutive weeks to Miami and NC State. There's really only two quality wins if you will for Clemson and that's number 15 Notre Dame and number 20 UNC last week and that UNC game went down to the wire um so but you still got Shipley uh honestly and I think we talked about it last season as well had they continued to feed the ball to Shipley last year we probably wouldn't be going for two in a row this year um so that was a mistake Shipley was eating us up Thankfully, this South Carolina defense has really started to come on as late. One of the things I'm worried about here is that odd front against this offense. Odd fronts, the 3-3-5 and the 3-4, which we've been running a lot more of the last couple of weeks. I think the personnel on this mm-hmm. defense is very well suited to that, but you think about the main vulnerabilities in those odd fronts. Number one, you're vulnerable to passes up the seam, and we're talking about – Basically, if you've got both tight ends on the line right off the tackle, if they're running straight up the field, basically just on the ends of that line, that's Mm -hmm. the seams. That's what we're talking about, post routes up the seam, and then on the edges on the run. You are very vulnerable on the edges Mm -hmm. there. So that's one of the things I worry about with Shipley and Maffa. They've got a bit of a two-headed monster there. Another thing that Clemson is uh, is really keen on is running a lot of wheel routes out of the backfield, and it's uh, do my best to explain this. But when you talk about a wheel route, you've got a running back coming out of the backfield, and he's just kind of bending around to the line to to the to the sideline, and then running straight up field. It's difficult because you can disguise that a lot. You can have that running back block, and then the linebackers think, okay, he's staying in to protect, and then they forget about him, and he slips out. He can take off on a tear immediately, and then he has a jump on your linebackers and has speed on them, and they can't catch up to it. So you got to be aware of those wheel routes. I think the the safeties and the cornerbacks have to play extremely disciplined football. Clemson is also uh, likes to run a lot of mesh routes and a lot of rub routes where you might have a really shallow route where two guys are crossing, and it's literally like a basketball play where you're picking one guy and you're mm-hmm. you're bumping him, and all it takes is just one step to slow that guy up, and it's going to give that receiver or that tight end or whatever personnel you've got running it that one step or half step they need to get on them. Um, so it's 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 really uh, it, it sounds simple and it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's about uh, assignment discipline football on the defensive side. We've got to get pressure on Klubnik. I think Williams Bryce. This is a night game. This is the last game of the season, as you mentioned, playing for a November to remember. South Carolina has to get this win to go bowling. I think that stadium is going to be loud. It's going to be rocking. Uh, we have seen this year that raucous environments, particularly on the road like that, uh, Klubnik doesn't do 
really well in those games. And I think that this crowd can really affect him. And I think the crowd needs to be there and needs to be loud, needs to stay the whole time. Students don't need to be leaving at halftime. Keep it loud. Keep it raucous in there. Um, and I think this offense is susceptible to turnover. South Carolina needs to continue to be ball hawks and go after it, even if you're not sacking the quarterback, even if you're not intercepting the ball. But last week against Kentucky was probably, I haven't looked at the stats on this, but probably the most tipped balls by this defense all season. And it really uh, affects things and it's really good for your defense. People look at flashy things like sacks and interceptions, but it's not really all about that. If you can tip that ball, you can – negate a, a huge explosive play there so i think the the front four or the front three rather uh needs to continue to be very disruptive and we've got to have just uh, perfect play uh, on the defense i think this game could be a dog fight i think the over under in it was like is like 51 and a half clemson's favor mm-hmm. by about seven seven and a half points so this could be a slugfest. Weather should not be uh, should not have an effect on this game, but this could be a very low scoring slugfest, and I think that bodes well for South Carolina. No, I, I agree with you on on all of those points uh, very much. So, Thomas, I saw something on the defense this past week that I really liked. Tonka Hemingway has shown a knack for batting balls down throughout his career, quite honestly. And at one point he, he faked a rush. I think we must've had a little zone blitz going on and he dropped not into coverage, but he was literally reading the quarterback mirroring him ready to jump up and bat that ball down. And it happened for us on, I think at least two occasions. I think, you know, that's again, Clayton white got some creativity. And so Thomas, We're not going to talk about it this week, but I want to put a bug in your ear for next week because regardless of the outcome of this week's game, we're going to have to have some sort of a show next week if it's a wrap-up or if it's a get-ready-for-a-bowl-game. And during that, we're going to have to have a discussion of has Clayton White done enough as a DC to maybe save his job? We're not going to talk about it now. Just putting a bug in your ear, putting a bug in our fans' ears to think about that. But that is something that I think we got to discuss, especially if they get this win. All right, which brings me to prediction time. Thomas, we both know I'm a Gamecock homer. Uh, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, I want to believe, and I'm going to. And (laughs) I think Williams-Brice at night, a whole lot of momentum. What you just said about Klubnik is exactly right. He gets way too fired up for the big games. Clemson has not played well on the road this season, like you pointed out as well. I think he will be, I said earlier, I think, you know, if we can average three to three and a half yards in the run game, that we could win this football game. If we can get him to throw us two interceptions, I think that is another huge thing there. Thomas, sometimes when you play games, like when we played Georgia, for example, or even Texas A&M at Texas A&M, we kind of said, you know, hey, the ball's got to bounce our way. We got to play our best. We got to play good. Don't get me wrong. We can't go out and, and fart around and win this football game. But this isn't a situation where it's like, we got to have something magical happen. We got to block two punts. We got to, you know, have a kickoff return for a touchdown. We need turnovers because that's a part of who our defense's identity is. And like you said, until the last two weeks when they've had the amount of penalty or amount of turnovers they've had against Vandy and Kentucky, that was a missing element, a key missing element of this defense. If they found that knack again, that is huge. So I think it is enough for a South Carolina win. One thing that gave me a whole lot of belief in that is. The end of the game against Kentucky. Spencer Radler 
led us down the field for a game-winning touchdown. And everybody and their brother, Thomas, you knew, I knew, hell, my four-year-old daughter, BB, knew that we were going to try and find Xavier Leggett in that touchdown situation. And guess what we did? Xavier Leggett got the football. That's a big shout out, big shout out to DJ Braswell for picking up that blitz. Had he not yes. picked up that blitz, yes. I don't think that pass gets off. You are exactly right. You are exactly right. Great point on that. I should. I, I. I'm glad you pointed that. He did stick his face in the fan and like it on that one. I think the Gamecocks win this game. I mean, it's obviously super close. I'm not sitting here saying we're going to blow them out because that ain't going to happen. But I got every reason to believe it's a fourth quarter fight and it's at home. Yes, students, enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Thomas and I did that for four years at South Carolina, and we're not going to discuss some of our Saturdays, but I can tell you we had a good time. But I was in that football game. Be there. Be loud. Celebrate after we win. Heck, rush the field. I don't care. Be there to screw up this Clemson cadence against us on offense. we got to be able to, to have the crowd make a huge impact. You know, it was uh, Eric Kimry who said he feels like a night game at home in the SEC can be a 10-point swing for the home team. They're favored by three to, or seven, Thomas. We we get that swing. We're favored by three, in my opinion. Got to show up and be loud. Got to show up and be loud. What do you think, Thomas, for the Gamecocks against the Tigers? Yeah, there there's a lot. There, there's a lot here. Um, I think you can argue either way. Um, I, I look at the fact that North Carolina had almost 250 rushing yards against Clemson. They averaged almost eight yards a carry against Clemson. Go back to week one. Now, granted, you're talking about a chasm of time there, but North Carolina only averaged just over four yards a carry against us, only had 168 rushing yards. All of that to say that uh, I think you – as much as we talked about Clemson's defense, you can move the ball on this defense. You can move the ball. You can make plays. Clemson's offense is susceptible to turnovers. It's susceptible to uh, starting slow. They rarely score on their first drives of the game. Um, if you're a South Carolina fan, you have a lot to like going in this game. That said, with that said, I don't like this game, and I don't like – I don't love South Carolina's chances in this game. I do think this is going to be a dogfight. I do think it's going to go down to the fourth quarter, and I'm probably going to be in uh, whatever part of my house or back deck watching or listening to the game that I feel we're playing the best at because that's how the Kentucky game ended for me. But I just don't think that South Carolina has the horses to to hold up to Clemson in this game and maybe subconsciously part of me is uh just going ahead and 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 expecting the loss here so I'm not mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. super upset and it doesn't ruin my Saturday night here but I just I don't know if South Carolina can ultimately hang with them and I think Clemson's going to take this one and I would love nothing more than to be dead wrong on this one I I understand that. And you're right. You're right. There's plenty of reasons to look at the matchup. We talked about it during the show where they're strongest is kind of where we're weakest and where we're, you know, where we're strongest is where they're strongest. You know, our, our, their, their run defense on off for our offense isn't great, but that's our weakest part. Their, their, their pass defense is very good. And that's where we've made our bones this season. So it's concerning. It, It comes down to the offensive line. It comes down to making turnovers and who's going to make the least mistakes. Who's going to make the least mistakes? Who's not too fired up to play good football? Thomas, 
typically, you know, I shoot it over to you uh, with with our our week, um, you know, our week at a glance, if you will. It's rivalry week, Thomas. I mean, I would imagine you got to think that twelve o'clock game that you're looking at's got to be Ohio State Michigan, right? Yeah, and um, that one that one could be interesting. I think Michigan's probably gonna win that game, but if they don't, let's say uh, Michigan does not win that game, it could throw things into chaos, and it could definitely. Man, what if what if what if Ohio State wins this game? And what if Louisville beats Florida State, which they could? Um mm-hmm. Jordan Travis mm-hmm. is out with a season ending mm-hmm. injury. Mm-hmm. Um and then let's go a step further. What if Georgia loses next week in the SEC championships to, in the SEC championship to Alabama? I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna have some one loss teams in that top four. All that to say, like uh, if the playoff committee wants things to to get to not get wacky, they better be pulling for Michigan in this game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's at Michigan, so that helps their chances, in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, I don't know how they how they handle their their sign stealing at home, but they probably they probably can do it better than they can on the road. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm watching this game with intense. You're exactly right. Uh, you know, this is the time of year when when as a fan who we you know honestly obviously don't have a dog in the fight for the final four of the playoffs. I just I want to see chaos. I want to yeah. see chaos. I, Me I too. Want- I want it to just all. I want the you know in the in the Batman movie with the Joker. It says some men just want to see the world burn. I, I, in this situation, I just want to see it burn, baby. Like let's just call let's let's have the the tide beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Let's have Ohio or Michigan lose this game to Ohio State. Let's you know let's get some Louisville beating Florida State situation. What happens then? And you know as it sits right now in this week's playoff rankings, Alabama is. Uh, sitting at eighth in the rankings, enough yep. things happen, including them beating Georgia. You could, could see frog. You could see a leapfrog. It's happened for Bama before. You know, another team to look at: Oregon, Bo Nix. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a team that you know their path seems to be pretty clear. You know, no disrespect to Oregon State, they should lose. They should beat Oregon State. And I guess who are they playing in the Pac-12 championship? Do we know that yet? Um, no, I'm not sure on that. Okay. Does the Pac-12 even still exist at this point? I don't even know. Um, yeah, I was about to say. But here's the thing is also with Oregon, so they're sitting at one loss right now at number six, right. and they've got Oregon State uh, Oregon State this weekend. So that, I mean, if obviously if Oregon loses this game, they're out. Right. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. But if they win it and all those other dominoes start to collapse, there there could be a really – really good chance they make it in. Um, yep. And then do they leapfrog? Do they get leapfrogged by Alabama? Because, I mean, right. is, is playing in the SEC, you know, going to give you that old, hey, it's tougher in the SEC so everybody can get angry about the SEC bias? I mean, right. I, I want some absolute chaos. I want to see craziness happen. Um, so, Thomas, on Saturday, obviously one of the biggest rivalries other than the Ohio-Michigan and our, our rivalry, Clemson-Carolina, You've got Auburn and Alabama, 3.30 on CBS. I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath, right? Yeah, it is, especially after Auburn lost just a bit to a, 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 a middling 
was it New Mexico State last weekend? Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath. This is a game where we shouldn't see Jalen Mill. Uh, we shouldn't see Milrow like after halftime at the latest. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you on that. Obviously, we're looking at that South Carolina Clemson game for the seven thirty. Are you as interested as I am in North Carolina NC State at eight o'clock that night on the ACC network? I think NC State North Carolina is a, a interest. I mean, it it it's just an interesting matchup. I mean, it doesn't have major implications across the board, but I think it could be a good, fun game to watch. Yeah, and I didn't even realize until I'm looking at the slate right now that uh, NC State's in the top 25 and North Carolina is not. Man, uh, North Carolina had high hopes earlier this year, right? They've kind of fallen off. They have fallen off, which is not <laughs> – which makes it even <laughs> more frustrating considering what happened to us in Charlotte to them. Uh, yeah. You know, should have started Mario Anderson, but that's fine. Love you, DK. Yep. No no disrespect to DK Joyner. <laughs> uh, don't, I'm not trying to show shade. Um, just a tough night at the office. Now, Thomas, you know, again – Here's the thing about this year's rivalry week. Minus Ohio State, Michigan, and you know, quite honestly, our game, a whole lot of these rivalries are are a bit one-sided. You know, yeah. you, you don't expect Louisville to have any trouble with Kentucky, do you? Uh no, I don't. Not the way they're playing right now. And I think I think Kentucky, especially after losing to us in the fashion they did last weekend, I think Kentucky's probably packed it in and they're like screw this let's just yeah. let's just finish it on out here right, right. i mean and, and you know Al, if you if you really want to be looking at it from a i guess a national perspective when you think of rivalries in college football ohio state michigan is is going to be a great matchup in my opinion but then you have alabama auburn you know that is supposed to be the the marquee southern rivalry and i mean it, it it could get extremely ugly so no one from cbs can be too thrilled about that no, no. And then you throw in. So, you know, Florida, Florida State, that, that's not going to be uh, that's not going to be anything. That game might be closer now that but but not only is uh, Florida State's quarterback out, but also I think Graham Mertz, Florida's quarterback is out, too, after they gave uh, Missouri a run for their money last week. So that game's not going to be anything. And then Georgia, Georgia Tech, that game hasn't been competitive in uh, 30 years. <laughs> And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, just looking down the slip, there's, there's really not a, a whole lot else there. So it, it should give people time to to uh, take some time to clean up from Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy some peppering of games in there. Exactly. And that's so basically what we're trying to say is if you're not a huge South Carolina or Clemson fan and you're looking for something to watch on that 730 game slate, watch the Gamecocks, hopefully pull off a victory at home one way or the other. I do believe it's going to be a fourth quarter fight, like we said, Thomas. All right, Thomas, as we head out the door, tell the people whatever you want to tell them. I want to tell the people to have a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. Make sure those turkeys are fully thawed out before you drop them in the oil. God, and yes. you know what? And you know what? With that said, ditch the oil. Get the oilless turkey fryer. It'll change your life. You no longer have to deal with five gallons of oil anymore. And it is truly a game changer. Everybody enjoy your meals safe travels and let's send the orange from pickens county packing see ya see ya happy thanksgiving